Hello, everyone, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Miratori. I'm Anna Redberg. And today we are doing Adaptation, the second Charlie Kaufman film I saw. I saw, I suspect many people it was the second one yeah. they saw because the being John Malkovich was like a much bigger hit than mm-hmm. anything he'd done before, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so basically, like, Everyone saw that and mm-hmm. then saw yeah. Adaptation. I feel like, I do think seeing being John Malkovich ahead of this movie, it's not necessary, but it do, I do think it's like, it's a it's a good idea. I would say you almost have to do it. Like, yeah. because there's things in here you can't really appreciate if you haven't seen being John right, Malkovich. Right, so it's right. like, they kind of want to be a combo. There's a scene in this that's very, it's impossible to understand what you're watching if, you know, it's got Malkovich in it mm-hmm. and you'd have no idea like why it was happening or why it was funny and you wouldn't really know what Charlie Coffin was doing there or any of those right, things. Right. So it helps a lot. Well, it's a movie that actually requires the viewer to understand a little bit about the movies. Like, you and have that to person. Know, the, and Char- person. And like, you Kaufman. have to know that Charlie Kaufman is a screenwriter. You yeah. have to know that he's written being John Malkovich. Like, you kind of have to know these things. It's... It's not a movie. It's not like a movie you can just any anybody can just like walk into and go see and and kind of understand what's going on in it. And it's also a movie that goes like for better or for worse, one hundred percent in. There is no like it is a one hundred percent unflinching movie, which I appreciate. Oh yeah, but it's definitely it's definitely like more in the two thousand and one camp there, where it's like this is the thing we're doing, and we will make. No concessions <laughs> to this for the viewer. They are either you're in or you're out, but we're not going to help you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It doesn't really, it's not trying to to be a movie for everyone. And it it does, like, all of those things are not set up. Like, it does Charlie Kaufman, you just kind of have to know yeah. that he's a screenwriter, that he wrote Being John Malkovich, that that's what he's on the set of, that he's talking to his agent here and whatever. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, the movie is credited to Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. Right, right, right. Donald Kaufman doesn't exist. Yeah. So they've basically, like, created a fictional thing that you just have to, like, know. Yeah, like, yeah. The whole thing is just like, look, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, so I had seen this once before, and... I feel like seeing it a second time, I understood it a lot better. Probably because I sort of knew what yeah. the premise was going into it the second yeah. time. Whereas the first time, I think it's your brain is like constantly trying to keep up with all of the stuff that's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the second time was definitely a lot more enjoyable, I would say. And that's also part of the all in thing I was talking about, yeah. where it's like they don't move things around in this movie yeah. to help you, they move them around in this movie to do the exact theme of the movie exactly. the way it should work. Like, basically, you know, in the movie they talk about uh, Ouroboros, the snake that eats itself, <laughs> yeah. right? And the movie is structured this way very intentionally yep. to have an exact, like, symmetric pattern with Charlie and Donald yep. and to have, like, the scenes go in the order to do exactly what they should do to make the script screenplay do that. And they don't care as far as I could tell, if you get it, right? Exactly, they are just yeah. going to do it in the way that makes it, which I, I greatly appreciate. It's a craftsman's movie. Yeah. They're just showing, like, look, we can do this thing, and we're going to do it spot on. And if that maybe doesn't always make the best movie, 
that it could have made, yeah. we don't care. We're trying to do this thing, well, yeah, right? And, and that is respectable in itself, I and think. And it's like, that's exactly what the movie's about. Yes. It's like, it's so it's so tight and perfect. It's so tight. In all of those ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the sort of relationship between Charlie and Donald... It's amazing. ...is just... It, it's the perfect sort of encapsulation of, like, the the mental experience of being a creative person, I yes. think. Like, you really related to this. Because, yeah, yesterday yeah. I was having, like, when the, the movie opens with just a black screen and a voiceover from Charlie, Nicolas Cage. Yes. And it's just, like, I was literally, that was my day yesterday. Like, <laughs> I was so cathartic to hear that. It was just, like, this this neurotic sort of downward spiral. And I'm like, that is, and, and, and then you have both, you right, you have the... The artist person, right? Like the, yeah. the part of your, the part of the creative person that is like the true artist. Yes. But he, he's just a mess. He's neurotic. Yeah, plagued he's, with he, self doubt. He's he. It's masturbatory too. He's constantly like masturbating, yes. right? Like there's yes. this, there's this like self indulgence. Yes. Um, and then there's the start, the side of you that's like the sellout, the yeah. the one who is probably going to be more successful, right? But is kind of compromised. And like, his personality is the same. Like he's much more likable because he doesn't like. It's so good because even, and and again, like, we're just going to jump around here as we always do. Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, there's a really great scene that's both intended to be extremely cheesy, but also fully talks about that dichotomy that you're just talking about, where Donald's like, I know that people are making fun of me, Mm -hmm. but I don't care because, like, I just think this is cool, basically. Yeah, right? and I, I think it's it's um, weirdly because it's it's sort of joking, but at the same time, like that sort of that serious. line is like really poignant. Actually, yes. like like I needed to hear that yesterday. Actually, yeah. like the you are what you love, not like, yeah. right. What what was the exact quote? It's, you are what you love, not what loves you. Yeah, and it's like I was ha- you know for a creative person, I think like you can have a really down. You, it's a really bad experience if you're constantly judging yourself and your yeah. self worth based on your perception of like other people's perception of you, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it really understands the the mentality, I think, of creativity. I also liked how their, their like, relationship with the world felt really genuine to their, to their figurative relationship to the world. Yeah. Like, in other words, the, the person who writes being John Malkovich, right, or, or that, and arty things and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, right, yeah. is, like, He's sort of semi-dating a person who's, like, you know, very intelligent and cultured, Mm -hmm. but it's not really going that well, and he's awkward with it, and he doesn't, right? Whereas, like, Donald Kaufman's just just goes to a party and, like, ends up, like, or, well, he actually picks up the makeup lady, like, at the, uh, at the, um, shooting of Being John Malkovich, right? Uh, And then also, like, starts hanging out with Kathleen Keener. That is just so, it's just like those two screenwriters, what their screenplays do in the real world, right? Like, one of them's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, some people will be interested in it, but they're only going to be, like, intellectual, and it will be kind of, like, rough, because they won't, they aren't really, like, fans necessarily and you don't know you know blah blah yeah, yeah. blah it's like you might have then, you kind of maybe have like a more intimate relationship yeah. but it's also like more unstable and kind of like uh, yeah and you're yeah. always worried about it or you don't really know how to do it there's or not whatever. a lot of commitment there yeah and yeah. It's, it's hit or miss and then like you know donald's one's just like hey what's yeah. going on guys right and it's easy you pick up a lot of people yeah, but it's very just, superficial everyone's having fun you yeah, know yeah. and whatever and so like yeah. i don't know I, I loved that aspect i don't know how much of that specifically was intentional because I mean, obviously, the dichotomy between the brothers is very intentional, Mm -hmm. but I just mean, like, I don't know how much they were trying to say 
with that particular thing about screenplays or movies, but it fit anyway. I mean, yeah, uh, I, so do, I, think, I assume it was intentional. Yeah, I think it's 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 like the difference between art arty movies and mainstream movies, kind of right. It's like the way and, and, the, oh, and the relationship yeah. with the audiences, like what you were just saying. I think it totally is meant to represent that. Yeah, and I I would say this movie is a little bit ahead of its time in yeah. that regard as well because, because this is before like. Marvel and Disney and all of yes. the like big franchise like yes. dominating the entire industry kind of thing. Yes, and I feel like when Charlie Kaufman created Donald Kaufman, I think or I assume he was kind of thinking more that he would be because the Charlie Kaufman in this movie is probably more extreme than like like they're they're intentionally a little bit yeah. more to the polls well, than bet, probably anyone, yeah, my, you know. I mean, I imagine that Charlie Kaufman actually sees himself as, as both, both of those, them. Or, or, yes. or at least having, but... They are, I think they are him split in half, the two halves of how very he's, possibly. you know, himself. And so I, I assume, and I don't really know, but I assume at that time when he was writing Donald Kaufman, he was like, well, let's make him a little more ridiculous. Not yeah. too much more, but a little more ridiculous than a lot of these screenwriting people that I see because there are absolutely going to be people in Hollywood who are like close to Donald Kaufman, I bet. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that's just everyone at Disney. You you can see in this movie like why that would be the case, right? They're the more social, the more easy to get along with. I mean, the other thing I suppose too is that he's the one who actually finishes the script, right? Like he yes. finishes it right away and it's yes. and, and sells it. And Charlie Kaufman is like struggling to get the yes. thing written. He's behind schedule. He's late. Like he's not getting this done. So I think it's like, well, there's those reasons why that kind of being that kind of writer is actually good. Or, or why those people will have the success when the artists yeah, because the it's, artists it's easier. Won't. It's much easier to just do the Donald Kaufman thing mm-hmm. and just kick it out there. And you know, one of the other things that I think this movie uh, presumably is is also pointing out uh, tangentially is that the people who make who are like evaluating these things in Hollywood, they don't know anything about scripts either. Mm-hmm. So they just see a thing where there's like, oh wow, there's a twist at the end, and they're like, that's great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when they see the three is the name of the the screenplay in here, where it's there's three people. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's so good. A girl who is being kept captive in a basement, <laughs> the serial killer who is holding her, and the cop who is trying to solve the murder, who are all the same person <laughs> with multiple personality disorder. <laughs> there are so many like laugh out loud funny moments in this movie. Yes. I remember the the one that was so good is like when the snake. The, the snake that's eating the tail. Yeah, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. And he's like, it's called Ouroboros. And he's like, I don't think so. Yeah, he's like, I don't think so. And kind of, <laughs> we should talk, we should take a moment to acknowledge that yeah. this is Nicolas Cage's best movie. Oh, no question. He is very hit or miss, I think. Yeah. Um, which is, I, I don't really mean that as a drag because he does a ton of movies. He's, he's a busy he's, guy. He's yeah. not the kind of person who like, you know, he, he doesn't do the um, the Daniel Day-Lewis thing oh, or yeah. whatever of like, I do one movie every five years yeah. or whatever. So he does a ton of movies. So mm-hmm. you're kind of going to be hit or miss. But, you know, when Nicolas Cage hits, it is pretty great. And in oh, this man. particular case, he is so good. Yeah, it's remarkable. Uh, like, I... I don't usually think of him as a particularly like interesting or good actor. You know what I mean? He's always a little bit goofy, but that it works. It He's works just perfectly here. in this in this movie. It He's works so brilliantly good. Here. It's actually funny. I was thinking a little bit about Moon too, which we had seen a couple weeks yes. ago. 
and how that was a movie where it was shot with two of the same actors acting yes. with each other and how sometimes like that one a lot of the times for me it was fairly clear that they were like shot yeah. and this movie it's like so seamless they do a really nice job of it you yeah. kind of think they're different characters like you really never think about the fact that it's two Nicolas Cage's I do think they also did a nice job with I don't know if they did like multiple takes or if Nicolas Cage just was really good at it or if Sam Jones was just really good at Spike it Jones? Spike Jones sorry. Sam Spike Jones. Jones I told you I can't remember what his name your, today yeah what is your deal man it's too early in the morning. It, yeah, yeah. You're not a morning person. I don't know if they what who was great at what or maybe everybody, but they did a really nice job too of getting the timing down. Yeah. So like one of the things is the the conversations in this so in Moon there's actually not a whole lot of this. In this movie there's a lot of like intricate back and forth yes. that happen yeah. between the two characters with them looking at each other and like having different reactions mm-hmm. and you really like you really don't notice that much mm-hmm. timing errors, which is no. very hard to do. And they're doing stuff like sort of interrupting each other. And yes. yeah, it's like it feel the, the conversations feel extremely natural, which is really, really well done because I imagine that's really hard to do. And I'm, I'm sure it's it's both Spike Jones and Nicolas Cage. They're I doing think, a good doing job. A good of getting job. It, yeah. So anyway, moving on. Yes. To stuff in this movie. If effectively, you know, the structure of this movie is great. The entire movie is written in the movie. Right, yes. Right. Yeah. So basically everything you see in the movie at some point is written in the actual movie. Yeah. To the point where like the not quite opening scene, but very close to the opening scene. First of all, the opening scene is written in the movie. Mm-hmm. But close to the opening scene, there's also a montage of everything that's happened to the earth since <laughs> it cooled off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And when you first see that, you're like, what is going on, right? But later you realize that Nicolas Cage, uh, sorry, Nicolas Cage, that's good. Charlie Kaufman, (laughs) played by Nicolas Cage, is having one of his brainstorms about why this movie is going to be good. And he's like, okay, we start all the way back at the beginning (laughs) because he's talking about the the – Adaptation, like things yeah, yeah. adapting, evolving. Basically. Yeah, there's a fun play on play on both on the word yeah. adaptation, like, right? The uh, first the earth cools, and then there, there's <laughs> these little creatures, and then the fish grows legs and comes up out of the water, and then there's like the early monkeys, and then like like more advanced monkeys come, right? And yeah, he's like yeah. doing like the 2001 thing of like the dawn of man yeah, and all yeah, this stuff, yeah. and it's great because every time he has one of these brainstorms, trying to get at what's cool about this movie mm-hmm. that he's trying to write, all of them. You already saw yeah. at the beginning, yep. but you didn't know that it was going to get written later yeah, in the movie, yeah, which yeah. is really great. Again, it's the snake eating itself, right? It's like it's like it's the snake eating itself is probably not quite the exact thing. They probably used that one because it's not quite the same. It, it's the same image, but slightly different as the MC Escher hands drawing themselves, yes. which is probably the thing they were really thinking, right? Sure. When they were writing it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um I like you say they were writing it as though it is actually Charlie and Donald Kaufman. I was thinking Charlie and Spike. Okay, yeah. Because um, I assumed that there was some back and forth. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe he just shows up and it's all done. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Like, how how close is their collaboration on, yeah. on the you, story? I don't think you normally get a credit like when there's back and forth like that. They, you know, the, the writer just gets the credit unless the director was no, like, yeah, no, did a ton of it, I think. I mean, I, I I'm sure there is some level, of, all that. some level of collaboration. I'd just be curious. Well, like Nicholas Meyer, I don't even think is, is credited on Star Trek II, but he wrote the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. example. So I don't know how any of that stuff yeah, works. It's ridiculous. But anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I really liked all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I also like the fact that if you've seen it before, 
when you go watch it a second time, you know, like in the very first scene, with has that monologue that you're talking about, where it opens, it's like a black screen, and yes. he's, he's saying all these things. It's like, just like you know, a very like, neurotic, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, no, nobody likes me, and I'm like, you I'm, know, yeah, I'm fat, I'm no bald, I'm, I'm not going to get yeah. this. She, yeah. Does she know I'm nervous? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it opens, and it's him talking with the agent about adaptation, mm-hmm. the the actual adaptation of the book The Orchid Thief yeah. by Susan Orlean. And he literally goes on like a one-minute digression about all the things he doesn't want to do mm-hmm. with the screenplay. Mm-hmm. They are all in the screenplay, <laughs> right? He's like, I don't want there to be sex and drugs and car chases and like all these sorts yeah, of things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He lists all these things. And maybe you could argue there isn't a car chase, but there are car accidents, right? Um, but yeah. there's everything else. There there will be drugs, sex, guns, all that stuff by the end. And uh, I, so I loved that. Yeah, yeah. And I also loved that all of the things that they mention throughout. So there's a, another great thing where he goes to a screen, you know, at the beginning they set up that like his brother loves this screenwriting guru. Yeah, I think yeah. Is, I don't know if it's supposed to be Sid Field. Probably not. It's probably some other like New York I'm guy. I'm sure there's a lot something. of a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, I've taken a screenwriting workshop. There you go. You're gonna, when are you going to write a movie, Anna? Oh, no. No, what's no. The, what's the movie going to be? No. Um, so, anyway, the screenwriting guru guy who's, like, a very, like, sort of... The character is fantastic. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, and they picked... I, I forget that dude's name. You know what? He, um, he almost looks a little bit like Marlon Brando to me. He's freaking me out a I always bit. think of him as... He's a guy in the born supremacy, I think. Or, or identity. He's been in he's stuff. He's been yeah. in stuff. I, um, I don't know what his name is, but... Uh, yeah. uh, he he and uh, and Chris Cooper have, have done stuff before, oddly enough. Anyway, uh, that character is fantastic and, he, and the performance is fantastic. Yeah. But all the things he says not to do are, are also, also in the movie. Yes, yep. First person narration, uh, deus ex machina, like all of these things that he tells mm-hmm. him. Because like even the deus ex machina part, you're like, wait, what? It's like, no, there is literally like a character gets saved by a crocodile just showing up and eating yeah. another person <laughs> just, just out of the blue, right? It's like, and, yeah. then it, and then it's gone. And then the crocodile's yeah, gone, yeah, right? Yeah. Anyway, I loved all that stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. At that point in the movie... Because Charlie's really struggling, and at some point he lets Donald like basically take over, right? Yes. And that's when the movie like totally shifts. Yes. And you could just—it's—I mean—it's just so good. It's just so good. Oh, it's brilliant because all of those things he has successfully kept out of the movie. Yes. Up till that point. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't sex. There wasn't yeah. drugs. There weren't guns. And, and it's right? like, and it's the only way he was actually able to finish the movie was yes. by letting those things in. Yes. And like letting that, like letting that part of himself. Yes. Take take over and and make it. And ridiculous. then all of a sudden, like Susan Orlean is like has like nude pics on the porn site that the dude's running, yeah, yeah. and it's actually the orchids can be cut into drugs yeah. for yeah. some reason, right? Like all of a sudden, that's like a an old like thing from the tribes that used to live there yeah. knew how to do it, yeah. and now they've got a greenhouse full of them. <laughs> oh no, it's. And it's, they're spying. They're looking through the window with binoculars to mm-hmm. see what she's doing. They follow her to Florida, right? It totally turns around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just great. And it's, the characters are now singing to each other, just like they want. He said, like, he wanted in his in his screenplay. Donald Coffin said they wanted the characters to sing a happy song and dance around, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's it's so so good. And I do think like a lot of this stuff is probably a little bit hard 
to absorb on the first viewing. Yes. Um, but on the second viewing, it's like very clear. And uh, it's an interesting movie to, to watch after The Purple Rose of Cairo a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, I think both of them are, they're very, very different, obviously. And they're, and they're talking about, you know, this one is very clearly about the the creative, the writer. Yes. Um, not the consumer. Which Purple Rose of Cairo is almost nothing about. Yeah. Just, and, a, just a few asides. Yeah. But I do think both uh, both kind of uh, deal a little bit with this idea of like romanticization of uh, like of stories. Like what what is the what is a story supposed to be? Right. And I mean, and I think whom, that's the yeah, and, yeah. And, and for who. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like the sort of central conflict of, of Charlie and Donald. Right. Is like the the charlie version is like it's for me right it's 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 very self-indulgent and it's about being the pure artist right the other and the donald is more about like what does the audience want and it's oh it's heightened it's ridiculous it's silly and so that conflict between like what what is the best way to tell a story kind of but and it's Again, it's really cool because it's resolved at the end, which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I don't know if this is how it's intended, but I took it to kind of mean like there was a realization on the part of Charlie Kaufman, the if you think of these two as split personalities, yeah, that there was like sort of a, a realization that actually the people who make these ridiculous screenplays that don't make any sense aren't actually oblivious they just kind of like that Mm -hmm. just like like, him they like being liked they like no they just like those things like they just like they just they weren't pandering they just want they honestly want to see like this right them be the same person at the end or whatever that happens in things they like it they just really like it right and so i think there was kind of this acknowledgement of a certain genuineness Mm -hmm. to the people who previously he thought were he thought they were oblivious, but they're actually genuine. They just really like things that we would consider yeah. very crappy. Yeah, yeah, right. right. No, and, um, I mean, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I think I've tried to argue this to you before a little bit. Is that I feel like a lot of the people who write the the crappy screenplays like genuinely think that they're doing a good job and are genuinely putting their heart into it, um, but you know it's maybe not very good. Well, in this case, I think it's more just if. I, I, I mean, I don't really know. I really don't know what he's trying to say. I'm not sure I agree with any of it, right? I'm just talking about what was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because Charlie Kaufman coming to terms with whether those things should be in screenplays or not yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, right, thinking like, oh, you can genuinely want to do something like this or, right, it's not terrible, but it also it shouldn't really be dominant necessarily. Like, you're only going to do it this one time because Donald Kaufman dies at the end right, of this movie, right? right? He, he doesn't yeah. go on. I don't know. So there's a lot of ways you could take it. I'm not sure what was necessarily intended. I also don't know if anything in particular was intended yeah. or whether it's just designed to be something that is viewed from afar, looks like the hands drawing each themselves, yeah. right? And, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, right? I or do whatever. think it's kind of messy. It's not the sort of thing that there's a right answer to or something. Yeah, yeah. And I do think a lot of it is fairly introspective anyway. Like, this is sort of Charlie Kaufman, I think, dealing a lot with his own internal conflict about this stuff not necessarily anyone else's maybe you know like i don't know how much he's trying to talk about other screenwriters i mean maybe he is maybe it might also be entirely fictional right i mean you know i don't know that he actually is like this at all he may just be doing it because he thought this was interesting right because i don't know very much about him i've never really heard him speak Mm -hmm. on things so i don't 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 have a 
you know, a guess on that. But either way, you know, taking that face value, it's very interesting. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a brilliant movie. It really is. It's like, it's one of the most creative concepts for a movie that I've ever seen. Yes. The name also is fantastic oh, yeah. in that way because it, it refers to both the idea of adapting a book. Yes. yes. But also like the, a person or things adapting, yep. which is a main theme yes. throughout because, you know, that's what flowers are. Yep. First of all, but also that's like what the characters have to do. Right. Like he has to so he on. has to adapt to writing this screenplay. Yeah, he has yeah. to he has to sort of embrace the the Donald part of himself yeah, and, and yeah. change in order to finish it. And yeah, no, it's it's and, so and clever. Susan Orlean also yes. is doing that yeah. and, and all this stuff, yeah. right? Uh and uh, yeah. We should talk a little bit about that stuff because that stuff works really well too. Uh the just sort of the subplot that's going on this whole time that Charlie and Donald Kaufman interchangeably are imagining is happening yeah. from reading The Orchid Thief, right. Charlie Kaufman, and then elaborating on The Orchid Thief for Donald Kaufman after at the end. Right. right? And like that whole dynamic with uh, Meryl Streep mm-hmm. and Chris Cooper mm-hmm. is fantastic. Chris Cooper in particular Meryl Streep does a reasonable job portraying that character, which is fairly subtle. Yeah. There's not a lot of, like, you know, sort of, like, punch to it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. she does a good job of just, like, playing sort of the, the straight man. Yeah, I mean, um, she she definitely feels like that sort of, like, New York elite but, kind but of. But doesn't like it, yeah. Yeah, well, like, a self-loathing kind of. Yes. Like, oh, uh, is that person, but kind of feels guilty for being that person. And so Chris Cooper... Just gets to ham it up. Oh yeah, huge! Yeah. And he does an f- amazing job. Oh, he's I, great. I think he was nominated for this. He might oh, have, was he? He might have won actually uh, really? for supporting actor. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't remember if he won. Okay. but I'm pretty sure he's nominated at least. Uh, and just his cadence, like the yeah. way he delivered lines, felt kind of like when you talk to a crazy person. <laughs> Like, you know, I used to walk home pretty late at night in Seattle back when it was safe to do so. (laughs) Um, And like if you just talk to people on the street, right, sometimes people are kind of not entirely there. Mm -hmm. They have a cadence like this where like they are saying real stuff. They're not like, you know, completely like out on drugs or something like this. They have a cadence Mm -hmm. where it's like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're talking almost to themselves, but also to you. And their train of thought goes through these like real like crazy gyrations, Uh right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Chris Cooper just, I don't know, I don't know where he summoned that out of, (laughs) but it felt wicked real. Like when I was listening to it, I was like, I've listened to a real person Say exactly these things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. on a walk home mm-hmm. before. Um, yeah, he he kind of he's he kind of uh, disappears into that character. He's really good. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing because it's a very it'd be very easy for that character to either be boring if you underplayed it mm-hmm. or too preposterous if you overplayed yeah, it. Yeah, or like too too like stereotypical. Like stereotypical for for a kind a redneck kind of guy. Yeah, it's like, just like just like a really overly characterized version. One thing I was going to point out was that I do think this movie suffers a little bit um, from two things. So downsides of the movie. Sure. Yeah. So I think that this is sort of a thing in a way with a lot of Charlie Kaufman screenplays, I feel like. I I don't know them exhaustively. I would like to watch more of them, but I feel like they have a little bit of trouble building and resolving emotional 
arcs. Mm-hmm. His movies tend to feel kind of flat, like the climaxes are mechanical. Mm-hmm. And they always work very well. So everything is well, like like, like a well-working clock. Exactly. It's all like in place and functioning. Mm-hmm. But at least for me, and it's, uh, you know, maybe odd that I'm the one saying this because this is really your more your domain. Sure, you yeah, like yeah, to yeah. talk more about like sort of the bigger picture and, and yeah. were we getting the, the char- you know, were we empathizing with the characters and stuff? You've mentioned this multiple times in the podcast and maybe I haven't as much. But for me, it definitely feels like an appreciation mm-hmm. of the movie when I watch his movies uh-huh. and enjoyment of the scenes because they're very well constructed mm-hmm. and written. Mm-hmm. Also, the Spike Jones ones are very well directed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. But the movie doesn't add up to, to more emotionally. It, it yeah. adds up to more intellectually, but not emotionally. I think Would you I, agree? No, I agree. With, I think I okay. agree with you. Um, and I don't know... Why exactly? In some ways, I think this one is a little better because I think if you're connecting at all with the with the creative, like the, I, the with the Charlie Kaufman character and sort of like the struggle he's having to finish the script, like I I do think there's actually something there, maybe more than in other of his movies. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I do agree, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't really know. What that is, if there's something kind of more distant or kind of cold. I think he's, you know, if I had to classify him in a writing category, right, he's almost more like science fiction to me. Yeah. Where the reason you want, you know, it's it's like if you wanted to, it's the ideas that are interesting about his stuff. Yeah. And it, the, the empathizing with the characters or like Mm -hmm. being invested in them emotionally doesn't yeah. really happen in I his kinda, films. Yes. And that feels a little bit more sci-fi writery to me for whatever reason. Um, yeah, of course, also, sci-fi writers are way worse at writing scenes uh, than I Charlie also, Kaufman. I, I kind of you know. do feel like Charlie Kaufman to me has this like this darkness and this cynicism in, in all of his work mm. that I think when you're maybe that cynical, mm. empathy is harder. Like, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's sure. like... Because I think the Donald Kaufman character is more the writer who writes what you're talking about, right? Like, he's more the kind of person who would write stronger emotional arcs with characters that grow and change and have this. But I think... I, I, disagree, think, I disagree with that. Okay. I disagree okay. with that. I think... I don't think Donald Kaufman writes that either. Donald, Donald Kaufman is like Frozen too. I don't care about anyone in that movie, right? I think it's a real, genuine, difficult skill to make that mm-hmm. work. And it can work in both kinds of movies. Uh, Star Wars, the original, mm-hmm. is incredibly emotionally investing, you know, when, uh, I, I mean, I, I will go to bat any any day of mm-hmm. the week for Han Solo coming back to save Luke at the end is, yeah, yeah. is amazing. Like, it's just, right? So you can have the biggest, craziest spectacle kind of movie, and there is something about figuring out what these characters are going to do yeah. that lines up for something that really f- sticks with you emotionally. Well, so I say I think I think sometimes And it's not whether it's it's not whether it's crappy or not. No, no, it's know? not about whether it's crappy, but I do think it's cuz I cuz I don't think I don't necessarily see Donald Kaufman as representing like crappy uh, big movies. I mean, he does, but I okay. also I, I feel like he represents a certain type of screenwriting. Um 
And it's the type of screenwriting that maybe like follows these rules, right? He goes to the the screenwriting classes with the diagram of like the character and yeah, all the stuff. Yeah. And it's like principles. 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 Right, I'm just saying like that a kind of rule, Anna, is something you have to do. Okay. A principle is something that has worked through all of time. So I'm just saying, <laughs> but I'm just saying that's exactly kind of it, right? Where yeah. it's it's like those those kind of stories and those kind of like roadmaps exist for a reason. It's a, that exact reason, which is like there's something in humans' brains that really connects with these certain things with storytelling. And if you repeat it, it can work. And so I think like there's obviously in Charlie Kaufman like a cynicism <clears throat> for that kind of thing. And also just like I, I think a cynicism about humanity a bit too like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. I really don't. You don't buy it. No. I think you could make this the same movie, and it could have that that kind of a a more of a buy in. The the reason is because, at least to me, there's there's very little space to establish the characters emotionally. I know it's a weird thing to say, but in a Charlie Coffin script, everything is verbalized. Everything is a, yes. is a mechanical scene that occurs with people saying stuff to each other. There's very little space to establish what a character is actually feeling or what they are like. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's I, it's a very strange thing yeah, to say. It's also just but, not that. It, but yeah, it's <clears> like <throat> they're not those kind of movies. Like, th- uh, yeah, I'm I'm not saying they should change. I'm just yeah. saying it's a thing that that I noticed. No, I do think there's like a there's like a distance. In his movies, there's always a bit of this, like, distance yes. between you and the characters. Yes. And, I, I mean, I agree with that. I don't, you know, I don't actually know that I see it as a problem in these particular movies because... I, I don't know that it's I don't, necessarily bad. I don't know how you change... Like, I don't know how you add that and have the same movie because, like, you know, talking in last week in The Purple Rose of Cairo with, like, this this romantic, romanticization of, like, real life. And I think sometimes having... Having characters go through big character arcs that start in one place and end in another place, like, that's not real life that's romanticized, right? People don't do that. So I think I think Charlie Kaufman is not trying to do that, right? I think he's trying to be a bit more reflective of just, like... Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to paint it as something you should or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying I notice it very specifically mm-hmm. with his writing that you really just don't buy into characters emotionally in his films. At least I don't. And, you know, I'm I'm probably the most forgiving of that sort of thing mm-hmm. because I do like nice precision mechanical stuff. Right. But <clears throat> to me, it just does, it feels a little bit removed, like you said. And I don't know, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. So I'm not sure about it one way or the other. It's just that is something I, I'm very aware of yeah, and I, I in totally, his movies. I totally agree with you. I, I It does seem to be a, a trend for his movies. I haven't seen all I've of them. I've never seen one that that doesn't have this property. They, ha- they all have the same feeling. Like a Charlie Kaufman movie yes. feels like Charlie Kaufman. Um, yes. In some ways, I don't know if I, I. This might be one of the one of the ones where I feel it the least, um, just because I find I find Charlie and Donald's relationship. Yeah, it's very it's very charming. Charming and like <clears throat> and and in the end, even poignant, perhaps in a yeah. way. You like know, in the Purple Rose of Cairo, right? Yeah. I mean, since that's the one we just followed up in a mm-hmm. very similar kind of a movie, and actually has a lot of that same kind of back-and-forth dialogue. It's very dense. Yeah, it's very dense dialogue. There's not a lot of yep. time to really... You're not really spending time brooding with characters in this at all or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that last scene where she's sitting there watching the movie is, like, very emotional. Yes. It's a oh, very emotional yeah. scene. 
that whatever this movie's doing and how it's doing it, when you get there, mm-hmm. it works, mm-hmm. right? There's other stuff that doesn't. Like I said, the climax to me didn't work at all mm-hmm. of that film. But that they had built enough of a, of a structure in your head. Uh, by the time you get to that scene and she's sitting alone in the movie theater watching it, you're really like, oh, wow, like that, it hits you. Yeah, no, definitely, And, definitely. you know, that's the kind of thing that never happens in a Charlie Kaufman movie. Yeah. And it's interesting to me to think about why, mm-hmm. because it it's very specifically not happening. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and and it's interesting. I think in the most recent one we saw of his, the... the um, I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking things. of ending yeah. things where it's like... Which, which, which is like a... Which is also an adaptation of yeah, a book. Yeah, but I also think that but. one is like... Like, I really didn't care for that movie. Didn't like it, yeah. And because it didn't have a like as much of the cleverness of this no. one. Yeah. But it's and it's even more devoid of yes. of emotion, like true emotion. And yeah. so you end up in this weird this weird area where you don't really care much about what's going on. And uh and it's also not yeah, like because I think this one, there's so much intellectually, like you were saying. There's so much complexity and it's it's doing and saying so much that it's extremely engaging like the whole time and yeah it's, and i do think well, and so is being john malkovich like yes it's, yes you know th- the movies are enjoyable for a different reason but it's they do feel more ephemeral to me mm-hmm. because after you watch it there's no emotional residue absolutely yeah. the way it's, i guess i would a, describe it's it it's totally it's a movie i mean i guess we we did talk about same with the purple rose of cairo we talked about like it's a movie with a lot of good ideas okay here you go a charlie kaufman movie yeah is like going to a science museum, not an art museum, yeah. is the way I would look at it, right? Yeah. It's still marvelous. Like, I really like seeing stuff mm-hmm. at science museums. I mean, to the extent that they have any that still have mm-hmm. science in them or whatever. But I, I like seeing those things. It's interesting. It's mm-hmm. intellectually engaging. It's, it's enriching, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have a very profound confusing kind of state that well, ever you you yeah. don't have that same thing that where you know if you go to a museum and you see some piece of art that really resonates with you mm-hmm. that less concrete mental thing that's happening there that's the thing that's not happening it's right? it's interesting to think about that too because <laughs> i mean this is this movie is obviously like pretty self-reflective for for charlie it kaufman is. and so to think about that in context of the movie is like you know, when you look at his his Charlie Kaufman character, it's like he, you know, when he goes to the screenwriting workshop, right, he basically stands up and says, like, but nothing interesting happens in yeah. life. Like, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. this sort of this, I, I think this, the Charlie Kaufman artist side, the one who su- is, is a lot stronger in all of his movies than the Donald Kaufman, right? Yeah. Um, and especially the movies that tend to be all charlie kaufman right i yeah. do think you're you end up with this kind of emotionless thing yeah and perhaps it's partly just his worldview his brain something where it's like he's not he's not connecting there with the it drama of real life it like that's be. yeah that's not how he's seeing it which is why i bring it back to maybe there's like a cynicism a, yeah. there that's just inside him that that he's unable to really like bring out the that emotion in his work because i think he's he doesn't see it so you know what would be <sighs> We really should do Anomalisa. Oh, I've never seen that one. Because, you know, that's the only one I'm thinking through. I'm like, that's the only one I can think of that does leave some emotional residue Mm. on you. And strangely enough, Mm -hmm. that movie is basically about this. It's about Mm. not 
being able to see anything in the world. Mm -hmm. And like, I wonder if that's, I'll have to go, we'll, we'll, we should watch that. I yeah. don't know what, the movie club has been destroyed. It's over. We've ruined everything. <laughs> we're, we need to watch Being John Malkovich and we need well, to watch Anomalisa. Well, pretty clearly ah. we need to do a Charlie Kaufman month where we can just do four Charlie Kaufman movies. You think so? Yeah. All right. But in any case, I do, I wonder if, if this is a, something he's even self-aware of. I mean, like in this movie, I think you could argue that there's a self-awareness there that, that. There could be, if Anomalisa is intended to be self-aware, yeah. then I think it probably I mean, would be. The, the problem with that is Anomalisa was like a short play. It was like a part of a series. Well, let's not talk about that movie yet. Let's well, talk all I was going to say is, it. so I don't know how much of that was embellished for the movie by other people. I don't know. So well, so maybe, maybe it, not. I, and sure. I think in this movie, at least, though, I see it a lot in, in the Charlie Kaufman character. I mean, I, I he's extremely like neurotic. He's yeah. he's extremely anxious. He can't talk to anyone. I mean, yeah. he's constantly trying to avoid conversations with anyone. Yeah. He's yeah. He, he's avoiding human connection at all costs, right? Yeah. He's not good at it. And so I I I do think you know, if if that's meant to represent the the writer, the scripts, right? I do think that there is maybe a self-awareness there where it's like he's that that the artist the artist side of Charlie Kaufman is really struggling at connection. Yeah. And maybe he's, maybe he knows that. And I do think maybe. it's, it, you know, it's funny in this movie, actually, like when it suddenly shifts to being a Donald Kaufman movie, right? When it starts yeah. getting more extreme, when there's the yeah. drugs and the thing, suddenly you're actually, for me anyway, I was, I found myself much more engaged in it. Like I <laughs> yeah. felt like that switch turn where you're like, Ooh, it's getting exciting now. Like that, that actually works, right? Like yeah. when it becomes a little bit, you know, the heightened kind yeah, of yeah, more more yeah. went to the screenwriting workshop and followed yeah. the rules kind of movie. Yeah, like you yeah, can yeah. feel the t how the movie changes yeah. and and how you your brain just reacts to that. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just it's part of who he is as a writer. I think he's seems to be at least somewhat aware of it, and it seems like definitely the long the later you know the further along in his career he goes, he is more the Charlie Kaufman, right? Like he never. I mean, I think being John Malkovich in this movie are probably of his, of the ones I'm aware of that I've seen of his the most that he let Donald Kaufman into. It seems to me like later in his um, career, he 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 definitely Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But that's early career. That's still it, early career. Uh, what? I'm just talking about his more recent, like his more recent films. Oh, that I, I've I was seen. just saying that has a fair bit of Donald Kaufman in it. But that's an, I'm saying that's an earlier that's like an earlier film. Oh, I'm seeing okay. like his, his I think later. I, I think I didn't follow you. Can you say I'm that again? His, I think like his earlier films uh -huh. have more Donald Kaufman in them. It feels oh, to me like okay. Later, I see what you're as, saying. As, as he, you know, I'm sorry, I as misunderstood. He, as he goes more, you know, as he in more to the modern day, I feel like you see like more and more of Charlie Kaufman, not Donald yes, Kaufman. Yes, I and, agree. And in some ways, it's like an adaptation. He kills off Donald Kaufman. Maybe that was like a, a declaration for himself, like. Going forward, if, if it had been after Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, then definitely, yeah, because um, because it does seem like he then was like, "Look, I'm going to just be it's this, Charlie Kaufman now." Yeah, yeah, um, this yeah. like sort of accepting that he's not that writer yes. and uh, and just going with it. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Well, so uh, I guess we'll conclude on uh, unless you had some other stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, I I'm complaining about the things you're supposed to be complaining. I'm about. sorry. Did you watch this movie? I did. You didn't watch it, did you? I just, it's not that kind of, like, I'm not looking for that in this movie. No, I'm, but not... I'm, gonna compla I'm about to complain about another thing that oh, you should be the one complaining about. Okay, what is it? That's the thing. That's why I'm so, well, why am I, I the heavy lifter today? Let me see if today? I agree with you. 
This movie is ugly. It's not a well shot film. Oh, I don't. I don't. I agree. did not like the look of this film. There's a lot of shots that are like they weren't even exposed correctly. They're incredibly like grainy, and and like there's a few where the film grain is pretty. Like they think they must have zoomed in on the. Like, well, or they just un- really didn't dark. have the lighting yeah. right, yeah. so they were they had to really like bring the level of the film up, or something. Yeah. The there's a lot of shots that are just kind of muddy. They're just not really lit that well. They're they're kind of just like, I don't know. We just showed up and kind of filmed something. It doesn't mm. feel that you like. This movie could have looked a lot better, and I don't Maybe. think this was a low-budget film. I, I mean, don't. this was after being John Malkovich. I think they probably had what they need. I, I, I don't love the look of this film. I think could have been a lot better. I, I actually don't really have any complaints about the about the look of this movie. Ridiculous. I, I, I don't think it's like an exceptional... It's not like exceptional filmmaking. You wouldn't like point out this movie and be like, it's one of the greatest looking movies of all time. Um, and, but I do think it's, it's totally fine. I think it, there's a... And as I said before, I think some of it's actually quite well shot, uh, especially the scenes with Nicolas Cage talking to himself. I do think like... In terms of like actual blocking, like mm-hmm. the construction of the shots for where the people are to make that work mm-hmm. was definitely flawless. No question. It just it just doesn't look that good. I just don't I, I feel like it could look a lot better. Just visual visually, I feel like it was not a particularly well shot film. And I'll say another thing about that, which is that this is the kind of movie that would benefit from some meticulous cinematography because you are representing some very dramatic shifts over the course of this movie in who the movie is for and who it is being written by. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel it even once. The It looks very much the same from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I could've... Even as the script is changing yeah. radically, the... You know the saturation, the angles, the all that stuff yeah. stays the no, same, and could... it's just it's. I feel like it was a lazily shot film. I, I, sorry, sorry to be harsh, but I feel I it was a lazily think, shot film. I guess I can, I can see what you're saying there, and I agree with you. It's like when it switches over, like feeling the difference in the way, not just because it's you know it's very about the writer. It's very much about the writer of the movie. But if you yeah. could have the the director also get in on that so the movie starts feeling a bit different so when it switches over to where it's like Donald kind of taking control it suddenly is shot more like a big action movie or the angles are starting to be stranger yeah. like they're shooting from way below the character like he comes yeah. he, there's an entrance like yeah. somebody walks or, in yeah, through a doorway like, with know, backlighting there's you know? like crane shots and, yeah. and it's like but none of that no, and, you know. and I think you know maybe part of that as well like Spike Jones is only gonna ever do Spike Jones like he is it does seem like he only has like one st- and and to be fair I think that style is fantastic for being John Malkovich. I remember yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. felt really well. This movie, I'm just not so sure. When I was watching, especially because I've seen it now the third time, mm-hmm. I was just really hyper aware of the fact mm-hmm. that I'm like, I feel like this movie just doesn't look that good. I definitely could. I could see a way in which like that could have enhanced the movie. It, it, it could have been another tool. Right. Like the filmmaking part of it could have been used as a tool to also I, help yes. emphasize what the movie is saying. And, yes. it, and it's 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 well shot. It's competently shot. It, it It's there's nothing like, because the music does. Carter Burwell did a good job with yeah. the score. I think it becomes as Donald Kaufman takes over. It becomes more like mystery spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Like there's more backing track and it's more like yep. the, the tones are being set as like there's something sinister happening. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think uh, more, more exaggeration with that in the in the way things are shot would have been really nice. I agree. Yeah. 
So uh, there's that, but then also I just have a more fundamental complaint, which is that if you decided that was too distracting, you didn't want it, that's fine. I just don't think this movie was shot that well. Mm. I, I I just I'm sorry. I, I, I think I, I I'm a thumbs down on the on the yeah, cinematography. I, I'm of this not film. gonna. I, there was a couple of shots where I agree there was a little graininess issue. I I noticed, but apart from that, I had no problems. I would say actually there was some. Like I love the last the last shot's a kind of a kind of cool and experimental. It's the flowers. It's like a time lapse. Of yeah, the flowers um, in the in the city. There's like yeah, cars yeah. driving on either and side. And it's of really them. cool. It's just yeah, yeah. Uh, impressive. Uh, yeah. so there's 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 a lot of creativity, I think, in the way in the filmmaking. Um but it's it, yeah, I I think it's not um it's not maybe enhancing the the story as much as it could be. I don't I don't have the same problem with it that you do. Yeah. I'm I'm picky about that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I like I love you know I even the graininess and stuff. I really love the look of film and stuff shot on film. There's something about that like grittiness that I really like. So oh, me too. But you shouldn't really notice it as anything more than texture. Well, so right? I say there's a couple uh, shots for sure. I remember there's yeah. one of Meryl Streep at her desk. Oh yeah, it was um, really bad. Where but there's, it's like, there's more than one. But that's yeah. that's the main one I remember. I remember actually noticing it at the time. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, it's a bit grainy. Um, yeah. I didn't really, there, there were no other times in the movie where I can like think of I it pulled me out or I noticed it. That was the one shot where I was like, whoa. So anyway. So anyway. Adaptation. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's like so funny, so clever, so it's original. It's a very, very clever film, um, which is, it's kind of, it's definitely like Charlie Kaufman at his best. This is what he does yeah. really well and he's doing it the entire movie. It's, yeah. it's really well done. It's also one of the only examples like there's you know there's very few mm-hmm. fight club might be another one arrested development there's a few things where they instead of using voiceover as a crutch yes they figure out how to basically make voiceover be a whole additional layer yes. so you could watch the movie without the voiceover and it's great you watch it with the voiceover and it's this whole other yeah. almost this whole other movie yeah. happening there no, it's funny. and they yeah. reinforce each other yeah. and that's i love when i see when you see someone who knows how to do that when they're going this is just another actor, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not supposed to compensate for anything. It's supposed to juxtapose right. and and turn things around on the scene right, right, right. and use it as a dynamic player. Because then it, it, it just shows you how to do it right. Because almost everyone does it wrong. They right. just use voiceover to fix the fact that the scene isn't working. Because right, we've talked about this before yeah. on the podcast. We've talked about how much we don't like... Yes. Um, voiceover, especially, you know, a, a big, you know, expo- expository drop at the yes. beginning of the movie or something and how, how it's just lazy. But that's not to say it's impossible to do well. Yes. Um, when it's used as a tool for adding things to a movie mm-hmm. rather than as a tool for, like, compensating for things that are broken right. or missing, right. it's great. And so I love to see it because it's so often bad that when somebody comes along and does it right, it's it's very satisfying. Yeah, no, because it's... It, it's so funny the difference because you know this movie opens with a black screen and a voiceover narration. Yeah, and it's so good. Yes, like that's just it's hard to pull off. I think you have to be a really good writer and you have to really understand. And as you say, it's you have to be thinking of it as as an addition, yeah, as an additional yeah. part of the movie that uh, is enhancing it. That is not as you say. 
is not a crutch for weak storytelling. Yeah, it has to be strictly like additive, like like this is a thing that that we're doing because it adds a layer of complexity, nuance, and interest mm-hmm. that works just like when other characters yeah, yeah. talk. It, it, and whereas if it's just there because you couldn't figure out how to have a scene to yeah. show the thing you wanted to show. Right. Well, in fact, McKay, the the yes, the screen yes, guy yes. says it, and he's right. Like he, it, it's like the thing he says is correct. If it's if you can't figure out how to do a scene to show it, you're you're just being lazy and terrible. That's true if the voiceover is yeah. doing that thing. But if the voiceover itself is yeah. actually a separate thing you've written to be great, then right. that's great. Well, right? and, and uh, especially in this movie, which is about a writer yes. trying to write a thing, I think, you know, the without the voiceover narration, I think you're missing a lot of the, like, frenetic sort of, like, mental... What's going on in the brain of a creative person? It's like it's this constant, nonstop, well, like spiraling you, thing that like it really helps you understand. But what, I would also add, you don't need it. It's great, mm-hmm. but the movie also have tons of scenes that also establish right, that. Right. So it's not like oh, without if you took away that narration, you just wouldn't understand exactly, that this yeah. guy was having those problems because he because they even have like well, okay. So again, just to emphasize all the things this movie does do well. Yeah. It is doing voiceover narration because that's something you're not supposed to do. Exactly, exactly. And it's doing multiple personality disorder yes, because that's something yeah, you're not supposed yeah, to do. Yeah. So it it does two things you're not supposed to do, but does them both great and yeah. it does them to do the same thing. So they're both there to show the struggle of the writer and they're both working very well and it would have worked Without them, because right. he also has regular scenes where those things are yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah. again, just you know, that's why when you think about the mechanics, you know, I say like perfect watch, right? The mechanics of this movie are just flawless. Yeah, yeah. It's it's insane how intricate. Yeah, his movies it's are just, just they're so intellectual. In that way. I think so intellectual. Yeah, and I think I, I do think if it's you want to like, think about a movie. <laughs> yeah, working and I think that it's way, like yeah. you know. I don't know that you can actually have a movie that that has like everything. I don't know that you can have the the this level of intricate conceptual stuff and also have like a heavy hitting like emotional punch. Like I yeah. don't I don't know if you can have it all. It, it could well, just also, be like also maybe this movie is it shouldn't have that. It's like it wouldn't it would get in the way, right? Too, which is another mm-hmm. argument. Like it could be that like well you could have done it that way, but then you're you've got to split attention or something, right? Like I just yeah. want you to look at this gearworks, right? That's what yeah. we're doing here. Yeah, and I, but I, and I also do think there's there's too much cynicism about that idea anyway. Like yeah. it does have it a little bit when when Donald yeah. dies and and they have the quote, you know, the quote about the, the yeah 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 the the loving you you are what you love yeah yeah and and I, like I do think that's actually fairly emotionally touching, but at the same time there's like kind of a cynicism about yes. those sort of moments in movies. Yes, like I think I think at the end of the day Charlie Kaufman is too cynical about. That to kind really of, embrace it. Like, yeah. I don't think he can ever really make that movie because I think he just thinks it's dumb. Like, in yeah. his, in his yep. core, yep. he's never yes. going to make that. I agree. So, but yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Um, and it's worth a rewatch. I think if you're someone who watched it and was like, eh, I mean, maybe, you know, give it a little a breathing distance. room. Distance. Yeah, yeah. And then, and someday come back to it. And I think, I think you'll find that it's a little bit easier to understand and clearer. It's it's just more of the stuff is more enjoyable because you yeah. can see why it's all fitting together, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, much more so than than being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich is the kind of movie that everything falls into place roughly like that needs to fall into place on your first viewing. Like you don't yeah. really need to go back 
and rewatch being John Malkovich in order to like get the enjoyment out of it. Yes, yeah. Uh, but this movie you do because there's so much stuff that's like the reason it's interesting that this scene is happening is because something later in the movie is causing that to happen with the hands writing themselves kind mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. snake eating itself kind of a, a structure. So it really is the kind of movie you got to see twice yep. to get the full enjoyment out of yep. it. Yep. Um, so, But anyway, brilliant movie. Great stuff. Um, great stuff. I wish he was still doing movies like this. It doesn't seem like he is. Well, but, he's he's getting pretty you know. old these days. I mean, I think it's I think aren't we all? Oh yeah. Well, he's I think he's in his sixties. So okay. I mean, you can't expect people to be like at their creative peak forever. No, he he's did probably make... tired of doing this kind of movie. He's done like four of them at least of yeah. this kind of movie. I think. Yeah. So. But uh, definitely well, a good a good pick. Thank you, Charlie and Donald Kaufman for adaptation. Yes. We really enjoyed it. We did. Did you have any questions? For the movie club, this I mean, one we almost always have a question somewhere. We're like, let the movie club decide. I mean, we didn't have one. For I this, think the we? only question would be is like, are, are, you know, I, I it, maybe it's a it's a similar thing because we sort of mentioned this with Purple Rose of Cairo, where it's like, it could be that some of these movies, if you're not like a creative person, if you're not a person uh, who makes stuff. Uh, maybe you're not feeling the same way about yeah. it. And so maybe this is just kind of boring. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't so, I don't relate to that mindset and I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I you know, I, I I would be really curious to hear and I wouldn't be surprised at all actually to hear that there are people who do not find this particularly clever or interesting yeah, because they're just be. they don't care. They find it navel gazing and 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 yeah, don't yeah. and so yeah, if you are one of those people, if you interesting, if, uh, yeah. you know, I think it's totally valid, and and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. So yeah, I mean, it, it would be, be kind of like you know a a really like inside kind of movie about like sports. If you just don't like sports mm-hmm. at all, right? Like you don't care what goes on, and you know, like there was a Michael Jordan documentary recently, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it. I don't know, but like you know, I could see someone who just doesn't care about like the mind of an athlete or what it takes to be that good or all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, seeing something like that, even if it was great, and being like, eh. You know, it's basketball. I don't, I don't yeah, care. I, mean, I don't not, know why. You know, this, is, that, right? this is a movie. And like, this could be kind of like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, Charlie Kaufman stuff in general doesn't care a lot about the audience, right? It's yeah, like it's yeah. doing its own thing for its own yeah. sake. And, you know, if you're not in the group of people that who enjoys that kind of thing, you yeah. probably just don't get much out of it. So, yeah. No, that could be. Good um, point. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know if you if you are a big fan of this movie or, or didn't really find it particularly interesting. Um, and, yeah, we will see you uh, next week with another episode. We will see you next week for the episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.